I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Space trash. Trash in space. Space trash. Lifestyles the rich and uranus. Space trash. Celebrities, they're trash. But the astrology can help us understand Transmission incoming. <laughs> Greetings, Trashlings, and welcome back to our final public episode of Paris Hilton's memoir on space trash. Lifestyles after reaching Uranus. And I'm Sarah Armour. I don't know what the, I lost the accent right in there. You kind of became Barney, but I liked it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm Molly Malshine. We're going to do part three of Paris's memoir on here for the public. And then we're going to lock down the final part. We're sending part four to Provo. Sorry. To Provo it, you Patreon. Can, you have to join the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Space Trash Podcast. Uh, we love when people join the Patreon. Just to remind you, I am expecting a child so if you listen to this podcast and don't join the Patreon, you are taking money away from my future <gasps> baby and Sarah's taxes that she's doing like a good citizen. So no, I'm actually making a full comeback and I'm, I'm doing back taxes and we need to, we need to stay alive out here. We've got new life on the way and we've got to be the adults. And I, and I come to terms with that. Auntie Sarah is not going to be a uh, delinquent. Any a delinquent. Yeah. Can you remind me, what was the Barney song? Everybody you. do your share and join the Patreon. Yeah. 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 Patreon.com slash space trash podcast. When we left Paris, she had just basically blackmailed her dad into getting her out of Provo like a genius. Three. So now she's out of Provo and she's home in L.A., the whole thing was an ugly little secret shared by mom, dad, and me. We didn't discuss it. It was like the previous 17 months never happened. They made her pretend she had been at boarding school in London. They made this girl lie to the face of every friend and family member who asked her where she had been. That's deeply abusive. And they did not talk to her about it ever again until she brought it up years later. That was a whole piece of it that like the whole shame and guilt that she was feeling about all of her you know, the, the tape and whatever is because like, she's Catholic. Do the Catholics just not talk about stuff or what? Um, yeah, definitely. Historically, it's been sort of a, the, the thing about being Catholic is no one actually follows the rules, but we're all supposed to be like vehemently in support of them. So that leads to, oh, that's what you guys are guilty about. Yeah. We're going to go to hell because we're not following the rules and we are all going to go to hell because we're all sinners. Jews definitely going to hell, but you guys don't even have hell. Burn. I mean, a lot of Jewish people think that but like we are taught that every other religion is also valid and they're not going to burn in hell for having a different religion. It's more so the evangelicals. For us, it's like even if you don't, even if you're not Catholic, as long as you're a good person and you're not, a, you don't do too many sins, you're still going to go to heaven. Is there anywhere in the Bible that says how many is too many? Well, the thing is, the more you sin, if you follow the religion, the more you go to confession. The more you go to confession, the more you have to keep up appearances at mass, the more collections you have to give in. 
money you have to give to collection. So I'm joking mostly. It's just you do something wrong, you go to confession and then you have to do penance. Like the priest is going to tell you, you have to like say a bunch of prayers and do good deeds and not do that again. I don't know. I mean, you don't know how many sins is too many until you get there. I don't know if the reason, I mean, her family takes it to another level. It's not just the Catholicism. And I don't think even the rest of the Hiltons are like that. I don't think Kyle and Kim are like that. Like little Kathy is already so deeply ashamed of her upbringing and where she came from that like she's already not speaking about anything she she's already like her entire past is like locked up in a box and she's pretending she had this really sweet nice fun charismatic mother and like she didn't marry for money you know what I mean so like it's not really that much of a surprise that like she's not gonna be like let's sit around and talk about our feelings kumbaya but yeah so now we get to how she's afraid to go to sleep in her room in her childhood bedroom because that's where she was abducted 100% yeah and she's saying that she's making lists thinking every night instead of sleeping, thinking about ways to make money and leverage the assets no one could take from me. My face, my name, my legs, modeling contacts and experience on the runway, none of which would mean anything if I wasn't willing to work hard. And I was willing. I knew I could work like a rock hauler. Rock hauler. And again, it's just whenever ever any celebrity or Nepo baby is like. Hey, we're like, go haul some rocks then. She's made a lot of very shrewd decisions, but it's just like, okay, the things that you mentioned before you mentioned, quote unquote, working hard are the reason like that gave you such a huge boost. Just say you're more of a Bezos. Yeah. Um, She's trying to finish high school. She's got, I guess, like six months left or something. I don't remember if she actually finished or not, but she did not. She didn't. Okay. Because it comes up in part four. She did not. She did not graduate. You do lies and tells everybody that this is actually a certified program and it's just not. Right. Oh my God. So awful. So she gets kicked out of one because um, a limo driver comes up and says, I'm here for Paris Hilton to pick her up from school. And she got kicked out. She went to Storm King. I don't, I guess this is upstate New York, really random. Um, But she got kicked out for the usual reasons, plus keeping ferrets under her bed. Her last resort was Beekman, a tiny school, a few blocks from the Waldorf. And I was just so bored. I was like, forget this. So, you know, I mean, did she, I mean, it's so funny that like she goes to Provo and has this horrific experience and she gets out and goes to all these like easy peasy rich kids schools. And she's still just like, can't even sit still long enough to get through six months of that. It's like, okay, actually you do have the most profound ADHD I've ever heard of. Um, She's, oh, okay. This, I really, this is really important to me. I feel very passionate about this. At one point, when she's talking about becoming a model, she says, I was as thin as a blade of grass. I wasn't trying to be a size zero. I was a kid who'd been living in a state of near starvation. And then later on, she talks about how mid-afternoon every day, I was ready to chow down on whatever fast food was available. I lived for McDonald's and Taco Bell, and I could eat a gross amount of fat and calories because I never sat still. And it's like, no, it's because you're tall. She's tall. She's lucky. She has good genes. And like, I've said this before on this very podcast, I've spent a lot of time around models, especially young models in their early twenties for past jobs that I had, and they all eat garbage. But again, they're tall as shit. And the taller you are, the more calories you burn just by sitting around doing nothing. Is that right? Yes. What do you think? Like when you put in any calorie calculator, you didn't know this. Oh my God. I don't do cal. That's what I'm telling you. You think I'm lying. I don't do beauty or calories at all. I completely, I just go full spirit. I know, but I always assume anyone my age is as damaged as I am by the 2000s and has at least looked at a calorie calculator. I'm as damaged. I went the other way with it, which is I, I look, I've been abstaining from money for the last year too. 
Yeah, radical acceptance of whatever the fuck. Yeah, okay. So if you put any ever, and I'm not saying anyone should do this, by the way, I'm not saying my way is a good way. I definitely am too obsessed with weight and everything. And I I mean, going to therapy, I have 10 other things to go to therapy for before that one. But so, okay, if you put your, in a calorie calculator, how much you should be eating every day, your height, and your weight are the only two things really they ask and your build and maybe your oh. body fat percentage. The taller you are, the more calories you burn. And that's why models, they think they eat normal. But also I would oh. hang out with these models and they would eat like, they would go get like a value meal and they would only eat half of it and they would just put it away and never eat. Well, it that's the real value. You can have a little bit later. Right. And I'm like, are you insane? How are you eating half of that? They just have a different body type where their body responds to blood sugar differently. These super thin, tall people. And like, I mean, not finish a meal from McDonald's or Burger King. I've never done that in my life. I'd get two meals, fully two meals. Yeah, never leave a single crumb. So like Paris is six feet tall and she's probably eating like half a value meal and she's a happy meal she's working hard could totally see her ordering like a happy meal because i love the toy i know yeah yeah i could see that too she has five phones separate numbers for work personal europe prank calling and one more with a number i give out people ask me for my number but i don't feel totally comfortable giving my real number and i don't want to be mean because i'm a pathological people pleaser i have one of those too you have a a whole entire phone you pay a monthly phone bill for? I have a couple Google voice accounts. (laughs) Okay, that makes more sense. But why don't you just give them a fake number? I'm not anti ever speaking to them ever. I just need it to be Oh, you need to silo them. Okay, well, that makes sense. That's a great, Mm -hmm. cheap way, cheaper way to do what she's doing. Oh, remember a couple years ago, she gave an interview where she was like, oh yeah, if I ever get sick of talking to someone, I just tell them, I stop answering them and then I tell them that I changed my number. And then someone edited it to a clip of her on Keeping Up with the Kardashians. She was on a, in a cameo appearance on there. And Kim being like, you've been texting me back in like three weeks. And Paris is like, oh yeah, I lost my phone. I got a new number. So she like got caught using that on Kim. Now that um, is T. This is why we need, like you said, on un- the unauthorized. Unauthorized. Yeah. yeah. Or you need an encyclopedic pop culture knowledge, which you can only get from the Space Trash podcast. It really actually is insane how... Like, not to be a little Paris here, and we're not smarter than the nannies, but we are smarter than the other podcasters, so you definitely want to just get on get on board. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. In terms of, like, if you had a bell curve of, yeah, intelligence, yeah. Just in terms of what we're interested in, in terms of astrology, pop culture, humor, and actually low-key some really deep shit. And memories, mm-hmm. yeah, of like our childhoods in the 90s and all the celebrity gossip. So you mentioned off camera, off camera, off mic, Carter, her husband, and his brother, Courtney? His brother's name is... Courtney so I guess they're rich um the three they wrote their own book and it has three key three key questions before you start anything what does success look like for you why has no one else done this why you why now I thought that's actually helpful and I was like all right well what can I answer of all the things that I do what's the fastest answer that I have for like the thing that I can answer all those questions about because like with coaching sometimes I'm like I don't have the words or with the manual it's like it's still evolving but space trash I could answer and I was like oh space trash is the thing I can answer those three questions really easily Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's great. She also gives in the next chapter a little bit more advice that I think is really good for all of us. This book, I can't say enough how much good business advice. It's the best self-help book at the market right now. It really is. It literally is. Like I know I'm bragging on her for certain things of just being a rich girl, but like, I mean. But that's also, we're comedians. It's fun. But like, no, this is a great fucking book. Yeah, I really got a lot out of it. 
Yeah. So she says the first step to self-reinvention is inventory. Give yourself credit for everything you've got going for you. Whatever's going against you, figure out how to use it to your advantage. Dude, yes. She takes a little page from the Trump playbook. She hated the thought of giving up a percentage of her earnings to a manager. So she created a fake one with her own email and a brusque, smoky voice on the phone. For years, I worked on behalf of myself. My name was CC in DC and I was an agent based out of DC and CC. <laughs> That's that's beautiful. Yeah. As a reporter, anytime I would get an email from someone, it could have been absolutely a fake manager or, or publicist. Absolutely could have been fake, but it's still, it still shows that the person at least has a little wherewithal to at least have a fake one. Do you know what I mean? I literally do. Yeah. If you get an email from someone pitching themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's just, you're just like, oh, you're cute. Yeah. If it's something really compelling, you're going to be like, oh, hell yeah. Like if it's a real story, but if it's just someone hawking their own product being like, hey, why don't you write about my podcast? It's just like, no, I'm sure you would want me to, but no. Fake manager. Yeah. Everyone make a fake manager email address. Remember Trump got caught doing that? It was so funny. Oh, she gives her little story, her Harvey Weinstein story, Paris does. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us, tell us. If you didn't read it, tell us. Yes, yes, yes. They had a weird lunch. She was trying to get funding for her friend's project. She says the producer sat there cringing and saying nothing while Harvey made pervy weird comments about me and my potentially huge future in his world. He was as creepy and aggressive as a person could be over lunch in a crowded restaurant. We left with very little hope for my friend's project. Um, and then she, a couple weeks later, is, I think she was in Cannes. I headed for the ladies' room with my unicorn trot what? and locked myself in a stall before he came in. He you don't know what she means by her unicorn? She's like... I do, but I'm just like... what? I liked it. She locked herself in a stall and he came in and he pounded on the stall door and yanked on the handle yelling, gross, drunk nonsense, like, you want to be a star? And I was just trapped in there, like, where the fuck is the bathroom window when you need one until the French security men came in and forced him out of the ladies' room. I would love to see a French man exert any force on Harvey Weinstein. That is a hilarious idea. There must have been 10 of them because French guys are putty. <laughs> he was yelling, this is my event. I'm Harvey Weinstein. But they didn't understand or didn't care and literally dragged him out. So whenever Me Too happened, they kept asking her, have you ever had a Harvey Weinstein thing? And she said, no, she was too embarrassed. And she has a pathological fear of embarrassment. Now, I feel like that is something that is, I mean, embarrassment is staring her in the face 24-7 as a public figure. Like, she is constantly embarrassing things are happening to her. It's, like, actually the main reason why she is super famous. Like, she's infamous. She's kind of a, like, she got super famous because people reveled in her ongoing humiliation. So, like... It's just really interesting. I, it's just one of those things where you're like, ooh, you should like dig into that because it's it keeps happening. Like I think like the, the universe is trying to tell you, look, you got to get over your fear of embarrassment, which I think she is because now she is coming to terms with the Provo stuff. And like she has I guess she has maybe done the work on that. But it's just so interesting to say I have a pathological fear of embarrassment when you're someone whose sex tape leaked 20 years ago. You know, there's a difference between things you're embarrassed about and can work with versus like things you're surprised to be embarrassed about. I think she was so traumatized from the sex tape that even entering the arena, like there's a difference between people being like, she's an idiot versus like, oh, another, I don't think she wanted to be in another sex conversation with Paris. Yeah. It's completely understandable. Just to be clear. I don't think she owes anyone her story, even though it is help. It, you can't deny that it is helpful to other women if you do start coming forward. But I also understand like not wanting to like 
it's not about him. Right. And and you can't put it on. I mean, the most logical thing to do is to report the person and it's the most beneficial thing for society. But also it's just so hard. Like it doesn't you can't tell someone they like have to do that or they should do that because it's too hard. They're already going through something so difficult. So it's not. But but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I just thought it was interesting because like her career is embarrassment after embarrassment after embarrassment and like she like her getting arrested for a DUI and having to do community service and having to go to court and having a mugshot like that's not her owning it that's like a really unfortunate thing happening to her again she still refuses to leave the public eye and just like start working for her dad's real estate firm Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. she's in a field where people want to embarrass you especially because you don't really have like in order to kind of have and this sucks I'm not saying this is a good thing In order to have respectability as a public figure, you have to have a talent or some sort of reason for being famous. Like that's what gets people off your back and makes people appreciate you for you. But if you don't, and if you're just kind of floating around being famous and having things handed to you again, I don't, I'm not saying this is a good thing, but people will hate you for that. And like, that's why she was a infamous figure. When she first came out, she was not a beloved figure, like at the height of her fame Everything that made her more and more famous was catastrophic things happening to her up to and including now the Provo stuff, which is her again. I think this is her looking at something humiliating and owning it. So it is a change. But like she really kind of her main byproduct of her fame is her own trauma, you know, because it's the only thing people want to see from like a beautiful, rich, blonde woman who isn't offering an acting career. Like even Gwyneth, now that she's left acting and she's just selling stuff, everybody hates her. You know, it's like, I don't know. I I don't know what the exact thesis statement is, but it's just interesting that she's like, I have a pathological fear of embarrassment. And again, I don't blame her whatsoever. Like, I'm not saying she should have said this or that. I'm just so interested in the fact that she says she has a profound fear of embarrassment and she pursued this public career where she was like putting everything on display and then also trying to hide her entire identity at the exact same time and like everything that she's actually been through at the exact same time. Right. It's it's that quote from Elliot Mintz that you mentioned at the beginning. It's like, take the embarrassing shit that you can work with and turn that garbage into gold. And otherwise, let's not talk about Provo. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Um. Now she meets the sex tape guy, Rick Solomon. She says he was an overconfident bad boy from Central Casting. I wasn't looking for Mr. Right. I was looking for Mr. Spite. His nickname was Scum. I thought that was so badass. Like, what? Oh, my God. The writing's on the wall. I know. And I so relate to her just meeting a dirtbag older than her guy and being like, I mean, this is perfect. 100%. Yeah. She doesn't remember much about the night. He wanted to make a videotape while we made love. He had often said it was something he did with other women, but I felt weird and uncomfortable about it. I always told him I can't. It's too embarrassing. He kept pushing and make, I kept making excuses. I was tipsy and tired from a long night of partying. Oh God. He's so disgusting. Not to harp on it, but like Pam, what, what? I know Pam Anderson, if you remember, married this guy twice, years after her own sex tape and Paris's sex tape scandal. And then the brother Conrad dated his daughter. The the mom of the daughter is the voice of Tommy Pickles. <laughs> so funny. I know, just trivia, but it's so wild. 
So then he told her if he if she wouldn't do the sex tape, he could easily find someone who would. And that was the worst thing I could think of to be dumped by this grown man because I was a stupid kid who didn't know how to play grown up games. See, if you're in your tw- early 20s listening to this, this is why every older woman in your life is telling you to not date older men like this is what they're doing. They are trying to do something sleazy and take advantage of the fact that you want to fit in and feel older. Not all of them. Obviously, I'm sure there's one or two that are good, but this is why the immediate like alarm bell is distrust when you're a much younger woman dating a much older guy. Even if the guys your age are immature, the guys that are older than you are not even in a generation where mental health was like part of the conversation. So true. She touches on, she's talked in interviews briefly before about the fact that she thinks she's asexual, but then later on in the book, she kind of alludes to having a good sex life with her husband, Carter, But here, when she's talking about the sex tape, she says, I was struggling to understand my sexuality. There's no way I could have explained it to anyone else. I had no language for it. I never heard the word asexual. So I guess she just, she's talking about how her friends would call her the makeout bandit and people would call her frigid or a cock tease or a slur for a lesbian um, just because she Should I save all the astrology for the end or do you want my, because I have, that was on my list too. And I wanted to tell you something specifically about Paris. Oh, yeah. Throw it in. I mean, I think we'll probably get to more of the astrology on the Patreon, but okay, yeah, give us the high level. For, she said it wasn't just that she thought she was asexual. It was just that ultimately for her sex is mental. Mm-hmm. So I got curious. I looked at her chart and what because I that's discovered. That's what I was going to say. Like if she was truly asexual, she wouldn't like having sex with her husband. Well, put a pin in it. I don't think she does either. And have you zoomed in on his face in pictures? That's a COVID marriage. We'll see what happens. But he's the he's the dorkiest person I've ever. And his speaking voice is. He is, I know. Um, but like, he's definitely a little bit of a big fan of her, but it's a little bit endearing as well. If you watch the, did you watch Paris and Love, the documentary about her, their wedding? So after our last ep, I started watching just some clips of it. I actually had to turn it off because I was so turned off by him. Yeah, but I also, I, I don't know why. He's like Paris and I'm an, and he's just such a nice nerdy guy. I know it's really weird. Another thing she doesn't go into in this book is that she was engaged. I mean, 19 times to quote Real Housewives of New Jersey. Like she's been engaged so many times and she only talks about one ex-boyfriend besides before Carter. It's really strange. It's kind of like Pamela's airbrushing over. She doesn't even go through all these engagements. She literally was getting these giant rocks from guys all throughout her 20s and 30s. She discusses Nick Carter and she discusses Jason Shaw. Mm. Both of their charts are fascinating join the patreon to find out why it's pretty fucking fun when i interviewed her i actually stayed late at a fashion week party and hung out with her and her whole entourage after hours in the uh oh, oh i know God. in like the vip room very impaired person yeah exactly but i was so wasted by that point that i don't remember anything very inebriated person <laughs> i can't believe i didn't mention this last time she was so nice to me i could not tell you a single word that was said but i just got the best <laughs> vibe from her and like it was her and like five guys. So just to have me hanging around, I don't know how I ended up alone by that point. Fucking wild, dude. I know. I don't know where my friends had gone. <laughs> it was just me, her and her entourage of men. And she was being nice to me and smiling at me and like including me in the conversation and stuff. And like, I mean, so many other people would have been like, get this girl out of here. Like, why is she take? Why is she talking to the guys? Like, who is she? You know what I mean? But she was so nice. But she was with a different fiance at that point. 
I'm not going to go on a tangent, but I'm just going to read you this other quote that I just found. Sex is a thought process for me. It has to start in my brain or it's not going to work. Carter gets that and he lets me know I'm worth the effort. There's a lot of hope in the Carter story, no matter when they get divorced and have his chart up too. Isn't that like so many women though? I feel like that's true for me. Okay, Molly, it is true for you. And I can go back a couple of episodes where I say it to you. And you know why? It's because you and Paris both have your Venus in Aquarius. Yeah what gets Molly off having great conversations. Yeah. You need an intellectual connection to turn you on first and foremost for. Yeah. 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 That makes complete sense. She also talks about her mom telling her to not do it till she's married. The guy will be obsessed with you if you don't do it. I mean, I have to say Kathy's half right. Married is a little psycho, but I mean, look, when our moms tell us to play hard to get, it's not just because they don't want us to get pregnant as teens. It's because that shit works. There is something to it. Absolutely. Well, here's what it is. It's that masculine energy requires the desire to try harder. And feminine energy actually requires the need for you to prove that. So when we're talking about playing hard to get, it's not actually just like a mind game. It's actually setting up your relationship so that you're not emasculating your man all the time. I guess that's kind of true. And it's just... I don't even know. I don't even think too deeply about it. It's just that it works. It simply works. I think extremely deeply about it. And I agree. Men don't want you to take their role. Yeah. And you can't be like arguing with a guy who you're not even official with yet and be like, so I'm just going to tell him how I feel. Oh my God. Right. Don't do it. Don't do it. Think about it just even in terms of like the function of sex. It's like, look, no matter, no matter what, no matter if you get in his house and you get a couple words out of his dick, it's not hard, not going to fuck. So you wow. need him to want it. Wow. You just took it in such a Gemini place. But it's true, right? That I wasn't prepared for. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Okay. This Now this is like so sad. She talks about actually doing the deed, making the tape. I wasn't capable of the level of trust required to make a videotape like that. I had to drink myself silly. Quaaludes helped. Where the fuck was this guy getting quaaludes? He was root. I mean- I can't say that he was roofing girls left and right. What are quaaludes? Quaaludes are from the 70s. They haven't been legal. It's like what Cosby used. It's like a it's it's like a borderline roofie wow. drug. It's the one that Hugh Hefner gave to Holly Mattis, tried to give to her oh, on her first night yeah. out with all the other Playboy girlfriends and was like, in my day, they called them thigh spreaders. <laughs> it's like literally a it's it's not a roofie, but it's it's roofie adjacent. So quaaludes helped, but I did it. I have to own that. I knew what he wanted and I went with this. I needed to prove myself. I needed to prove something to him and to myself. So I got hammered and I did it. Very sad. We can all relate. I think we can all relate, right? Oh, definitely. It's yeah, absolutely. If you're wondering if it's me on Pornhub. <laughs> Gemini. That's some Gemini shit. Yeah. So then she says, for a long time, I thought that if someone got so jealous, they threw a phone at your head or grabbed you and shook you till your neck bones rattled. That must mean they really loved you, right? Ugh. Now I'm going to take a big leap that I hope Kathy Hilton's not listening, but I feel like being a super controlling, super strict parent might have this effect on your child that they think conflict and control and borderline abuse 100 percent 
or even actual abuse is love. Like, I think this is what happens when you try to just be a complete strict taskmaster with your, I, I need to be more of like a, my Pisces side than my Capricorn side with a kid. Like your kid is going to have enough rules imposed on them from the outside world. So like, shouldn't you just be nice to them? I don't know. We'll see. My kids will probably be spoiled. So we were talking about Pisces. Is it the most depressed? Is it the most, the thing is I, when I was listening to what you just said in Kathy Hilton, actually the first thought I had is that that's Pisces. You experience that depressoid isn't your Pisces. It's the blend of Capricorn, oh, fuck. Taurus, and Pisces, and and the and the way that it's formed in your chart, and also your Aquarius Venus is in the twelfth house. So it's it really is about the combination in your chart. But actually, Capricorn is arguably the best mother of the zodiac by far. It's what it is. It's not mommy, daddy. It's mommy at home take care of me. And mommy, I'm actually out here taking care of you. Okay. Well, to quote Samuel L. Jackson in Pulp Fiction, that's all you had to say. <laughs> okay. Yes. She moves into a huge house with Playboy bunnies, Jennifer Rivero and Nicole Lenz. Now this whole thing was bizarre to me. Yeah. They were always ready to party and going to the Playboy mansion. I guess that's cute and like girly. I don't know. Um, she says that she did a vanity fair photo shoot. I think this was with David LaChapelle and Nancy Jo Sales. I think it would be a stretch for me to call her friend of the pod, but we follow each other and I've interviewed her for Newsweek and, and stuff. She's the one that did the Alexis. Yes. Nancy, Nancy Joe, jo, this is Alexis. Alexis calling, yeah. And she interviewed Paris and the whole family for Vanity Fair. She kind of, I don't think Paris liked the story. Yeah, this whole thing was interesting. The whole Vanity Fair it was such an inside look into like how these Vanity Fair profiles get written. Yeah, well, here's the thing about Vanity Fair is an incredible, great, journalistically sound publication. They are not going to write a profile of anyone that the subject of that profile likes because that wouldn't be journalism. That would be public relations. Mm. It's journalism. They can do their own authorized bio. Exactly. Vanity Fair is an unauthorized bio. Like this story is an unauthorized. I mean, you meet with Nancy Joe because you know that a Nancy Joe profile is putting you on the map forever. I mean, Alexis Nyers, literally her career, if she wasn't so pissed about that Nancy Joe thing, the interview, like, I mean, that was the viral moment that gave her staying power in culture. You know what I mean? Well, it's one of those trade-offs. It's one of those trade-offs where it's like, okay, I know that this isn't going to be like the interview I would write about myself, but I trust it's going to give me something enough of something that I can work with. Right. And who knew it would be her viral reality moment where she was like, Nancy Joe, that's, that's I mean, what an iconic moment. I that know. is what she's known for more than anything, more than the bling ring, which we get to later in the book, more than anything, she is known for calling Nancy Joe and having a problem with the article. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the thing also about celebrities is like most of them are incapable of thinking in those terms, but their publicists are like, this is where publicists actually are valuable and they do get it is like, they will convince you to do the Vanity Fair interview that's going to put you on the map. And then they will talk you off the ledge when you hate it. And like, they will kind of try to help you understand how important it is. But like, you know, it's these kinds of profiles in magazines and newspapers are sort of few and far between. And we really lose something for it. I mean, of course, it's never flattering to the celebrity, but like, it's, it's because you're, contextualizing that celebrity within pop culture, not within who they are as a person, not within their own personal life. It's about their image in culture and what it represents. So like, it's not going to be like Paris Hilton is a very sweet girl with incredible hopes and dreams. It's going to be, who yeah. is this girl? Why do yeah. we care? Should we care? Yeah. Like that it's like a BTS. So, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're they're having dinner and they invite Nancy Joe over for dinner, which I mean, Kathy, even Kathy had to go along with this because she's like, it's fucking vanity fair. If one celebrity is capable of understanding this bad press is worth it, it is Kathy. So Nancy Joe is asking about Leonardo DiCaprio rumors, which I mean, who wouldn't? What journalist wouldn't ask? And Paris is like, we we hang out at parties. He's nice. Did you see the story? Mom cut in with a spin, a full page in the Inquirer. They just make this stuff up. There was an awkward silence. Mom said something about her friends calling her Mrs. It because it was the It Girl, but that my nickname at home was Star. Nancy Joe looked at me like she was working out a math problem. Paris, your eyes are so blue, she said. They're contacts. I almost said thanks. But then I thought she might be trying to trap me so she could call me out for pretending, which reminds me of another rule for life that I wish I'd figured out sooner rather than later. Stop pretending. It takes too much energy and makes you paranoid. Mine are real, Nikki said. That's hilarious that Nikki would go throw that in. Yeah, I mean, they're funny. They're a funny twosome. I'll say that. They are. Um, She's talking about how she's doing music and stuff. I'm not just some party girl, whatever. This is what she's telling Nancy Joe at dinner. Whatever people think, I have my own business. I do music and I'm fundraising for breast cancer because my grandmother is sick. I want people to know about all that. Well, then mom said, speak up. I'm trying to, I said tightly, but you keep interrupting me. Like that's the exact thing that they were trying with all their might to avoid happening. It's actually worse than what they were trying to avoid happening. It's like, they were like, don't, don't let X, Y, and Z slip about stuff that we've done in the past. But it's like, no, what ended up happening is like your actual personalities, tension within the family and mother daughter relationship is showing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, she says, I didn't love the description of my shoes, Lucite sandals that look as if they would be worn by streetwalkers on the planet Zorg. But she also said I looked like a 1930s movie siren. So I was happy. So you know what? She wasn't actually even that snarky about the profile i really actually appreciate that a lot i thought she was really grateful for it and then it led to that because it was connected to the david la chapelle photo shoot wasn't it the shoot i think yeah which then was like a pivotal moment for her that's what i will say for paris she's nice to journalists because she understands she knows where her bread is buttered she was nice to me on multiple occasions when she absolutely didn't have to be did you like go to her house well, the first time I went to her house and interviewed her. In New York or in, in New York? In New York. And then... Where was it? What? Give me a little details on that real... No, but before you move on, like, what, did you get anything about that? There was just... I mean, I thought that the house was a set because there were pictures of her everywhere. <laughs> I literally thought that, like... Because it was a, it was pressed for her fragrance. And I thought they had rented a studio and decked it out to be a fake apartment because... It was just gigantic pictures of her everywhere. So I was like, like me and the other girl. That's were like, hilarious. Yeah, we couldn't figure out if it was a real house or not. Because I also was like, who would have us at our at their real house? Why are they having us at our, their house? Right. But I guess it's just easier and cheaper than actually renting studio space. But that's really funny, man. Like she was so nice. So, so, so nice. And then a couple weeks later was the fashion week party where I found myself the last person in VIP with her and her entourage. And that's so fucking funny. I know. I know the shit that I used to like, oh, this is why I miss New York so much. Like the shit that I would find myself in the situations that you find yourself in when you're in New York, it does not happen in London. Wild stuff. It just simply doesn't. Really? Yeah, no. I feel like it's because like, I feel like do a lot of people like in the UK that are famous, like do they live in the countryside or they live in London proper? Well, all of the really famous and rich people in the UK are going to private clubs. Uh, Join the Patreon so we can get that private club membership money so that then we can give you the real fucking hot cost. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason why I was meeting famous people all the time is because of like they were it was always as a byproduct of them trying to sell something, trying to promote something like they don't have the same hustle culture over here. They're not having like 
Like when I lived in New York as a journalist, I would get invited to like three huge events a week that probably cost like $30,000 to launch like a new lip gloss line. Do you know what I mean? And it would just be yeah, like yeah, yeah. in the most incredible venue with like 50 to 100 journalists and influencers. And th- these would just be happening like like a freaking um, assembly line, like every night of every week. So sounds kind of fun. Yeah, it was amazing. And I was so broke and I didn't have to buy food because I would just eat the food at these events because nobody eats anything because all the influencers and like famous people and stuff want to be like, you know, healthy. And I would just be like, oh, my God, a fried chicken slider. Like I haven't eaten since Tuesday, you know, but it's just 100 it's just not a thing here they're just not doing it also like maybe they're not doing it as much in new york either i also haven't worked for women's magazines over here i don't know i think covid probably has changed everything anyway yeah exactly i was i was gonna say that and also like i don't know but i worked in i worked for entertainment the entertainment section of a magazine here and there was just no i mean in new york when i was literally one month on the job at the New York Observer, I was getting invitations out the wazoo. You know, like, it's not like I had this body of work that publicists were like dying to get mentioned by me or something. But I was still just getting invited to these events because they're just desperate to fill these events with people. And to like, maybe, maybe, maybe get a mention on a website or in a newspaper. But then over here, I, I was in, I mean, I've been here for a couple years now doing journalism. And like, I get pitches for stuff all the time, but it's not these events. It's not like product launches. It's not even like red carpets and stuff like that. So I just think there's a little bit less emphasis on that kind of stuff here. They just have a different idea of fame here. Like they don't want to be as much famous just to be famous. And they have a much clearer delineation between like the respectable actors and actresses and musicians versus the reality stars and big time influencers. And they don't want them to mix. Except for that lady they found in the subway station right before COVID. I wonder what happened to her. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That was so weird. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Remember her? She was like, good. What did she say? That was the one of the best, like, right before COVID things that we could have asked. for. That and Tiger King really uh ease of the blow I think oh god these are terrible things literal plague yeah back to Paris I I did like how supportive her grandfather Conrad Hilton was and he would joke most of my life I was known as Conrad Hilton's son oh yes his whatever his name was now I'm Paris Hilton's grandfather so that's cute even though she had the sex tape and everything her family was usually still nice to her I guess that is a perk of not talking about issues as a family you can just pretend there's no sex tape. Right. You can look your grandfather in the eye. Yeah, exactly. 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 So now we're on the part where they get to do the simple life. And she actually gives some insight into how difficult this was to pull off. And she very rightly points out that it's like a comedy classic of the era. Genuinely funny show and does still hold up. Damn. Amazing TV show. It was hilarious. So she says we had to dance along a very fine line, irreverent, but respectful, sexy, but approachable, bold, but not bitchy. And they actually did do that because when you're watching it, you're kind of, especially if you were alive around during the era that it came out, you're waiting to hate them because everything has primed you to hate them because Howard Stern and everybody else is like blonde, skinny blonde pretty women are stupid we hate them terry sanderson just tried to get gwyneth on just being blonde and rich and hating her literally yeah like they knew that and they did a really good job skirting around that and still being likable while being fish out of water 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Being the rich girls, like embodying the spoiled rich girl, but still being likable is really hard. So they did it. Well, I got to say, like, I don't, I can't imagine that either of them took a second city or a groundlings class, but it is genuinely funny comedy. And they are just clearly committing to a bit and sticking to it. Like, like Nicole knows that she's doing a bad job answering the phones at the auto mart. She's just being funny as shit about it. Yeah. It's really just amazing that they kind of did that out, pulled that out of nowhere and made such a great TV show. They're just yes anding themselves. It's so great. And to think how soon after it was of Paris actually just being like literally fighting for her life. Her bounce back is unbelievable. I know. I know. Well, that again, I mean, this is why for generations, my people have not talked about our problems because sometimes if you just don't talk about it, it does like kind of go away a little bit. We don't have time for it. Get to work. But it then manifests itself. So she is dating this guy, Jason, and she loves him, but uh, she gets pregnant and she's not ready. Side note, did you look him up hot as a shit? She dates men that look like Ken dolls. Oh! She loves a Ken doll, yeah. Um, the pain comes out. I mean, she's killing it at work. She's getting world famous. And then the pain manifests itself. I just wasn't capable of being honest or loyal or whole. I was damaged in ways I couldn't tell him about. And the fact that I never confided in him about my past says it all, doesn't it? And then she gets pregnant and she had an abortion. So that was hard for her because like, yeah, she's been raised not to do that. But, you know, she just was like, I can't do this. This is insane. I can't, I can't have a baby right now. She really is making a great case for take your time. You know, like you don't have to tell everybody everything right away when it's the time to t like, we've never heard that she's had an abortion before this. Right. And we never heard that she had a Weinstein story before this. And it's kind of like, it's just a good reminder. You know, I watched so much Law & Order SVU and so many episodes. Mariska is like, we need you to testify because if you don't, like, you might as well just rape other women yourself. You're keeping this predator on the street or whatever. I'm paraphrasing a little. But like, it's like, I do think there is something to like, give them what you can. The police need to do their job. But like, if you're not ready to address something, it's okay not to. Right, for sure. And she didn't even have to put this in her book. Like, she doesn't have to do that. Right. But I love that she actually is like, I want everybody out there to know yeah. that I had this happen too, and it's okay. Yeah. And I didn't vote for Trump. <laughs> I know. Well, oh God, we'll get to the Trump part. We'll get there in part four. Yeah. So then, okay, so she had already shot The Simple Life, and then the sex tape, she finds out the sex tape is in the process of leaking. So she's calling the guy and begging him, please don't do this. He sounded distant and cool, saying it was too late. It was already out there. He said he had every right to sell something that belonged to him, something that had a lot of financial value. And by him, she's talking about Rick Solomon, right? Rick Solomon. He literally 
literally shot it and sold it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck him. Fuck his mother. Fuck his life. I hate this guy. Wow. I mean, I just. What a fucking asshole. It's not even like the Pam and Tommy thing where it was stolen from from them. He literally just monetized it. So terrible. it's terrible. I mean, it's revenge porn. It's full on revenge porn. It's not even revenge. It's actually just like exploitation. But it is revenge porn because like legally. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. It's fucked. So she says the impact the tape had on my career is impossible to quantify. But the absolute worst aspect of this horror show was the impact on my family. My mom just crumpled into bed and stayed there. My dad, red faced and furious, works with phones, calling lawyers, calling spin doctors, trying to help me marshal any hope of damage control. The knee jerk reaction was to summon a pack of rabid lawyers. But the consensus was that lawsuits would only bring more attention. Mom's standard advice was don't give it oxygen. And that made sense to me. I think she, I think they made a mistake with that. Not her because it wasn't her call and she was just going through trauma at the time, but like she handled it how she needed to handle it. But like her parents, I think in terms of PR. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, it just, I don't think anyone realized at the time that she didn't want it out. They should have gone more Kardashian with it. Yeah. I think don't give it oxygen is usually really good PR advice. It's never complain, never explain. Like it usually is just... Because if you refute one thing, then everything you don't refute looks like it's true. Like it is good to keep your head above the fray. But with this, I think Rick Hilton made a mistake. They should have gone after this guy with all they could get. But also, I mean, it's crazy because Pam and Tommy's tape, they couldn't get any legal recourse for that, which it was stolen from them. Same with the Paris one. Because the timing was so crazy aligned with when the Simple Life premiered, it literally seemed like um, a, a press grab, an attention grab. Yeah. So then the Simple Life premieres. It gets 13 million viewers, which is 79% of the adult audience. That is kind of a funny time to say adult audience, I guess, also. But happy accident. Happy accident. (laughs) Sorry, 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 sorry. I'm sorry, Paris. I had to. The second episode surpassed the series debut with 13.3 million viewers. The show was a massive hit, sparked a whole new reality television marketplace and stands as a comedy classic. And then she says, I know in my heart that the success we earned was despite the sex tape, not because of it. But some cynical people will always claim that if we couldn't have that, we couldn't have done it organically. I wish we'd had the chance to find out. See, I kind of feel a little bit the same way I feel about Kanye stealing the mic from Taylor. Like you would have been huge anyway but that kind of fast-tracked it you know it didn't hurt right like it hurt your feelings it hurt your ego it hurt your your sense of self but in terms of the business it didn't hurt it didn't hurt exactly a hit is a hit and simple life is a hit and the sex tape amped up the intrigue and wanted people to even more people to tune in and see what the hell this was going to be about so like and you started a whole sex tape trend infamy works i mean her entire career is a is a testament to the way that infamy works big time i mean she was the villain during this era of pop culture history like just by virtue of the fact that like she was young thin beautiful blonde like she was just cooler than us <laughs> she was just better yeah she was better than everyone yeah so everyone saw her as a villain so like this was some people were watching the simple life because they were like i really admire these girls and i want to be like them but like that was people our age like little girls and gays that was us but most of the audience watching it was adults being like oh my god this i gotta see you know right totally ready to make fun of her and she actually did a great job of just leaning into making a tv show above all and it worked she killed it i mean one of the things about this book that absolutely stands out to me and it is so the aquarius leo axis working in tandem harmoniously everyone was just like kind of shitting on her because they they thought that she was just like an heiress with no talent and what's remarkable about paris is like she actually has a lot of talent talents 
she's a talented person. Paris. Really fucking talented. Every time I use the word talent, I'm saying it in very ironic air quotes because it's bullshit. I mean, acting is really barely a talent. I'm sorry. It's What she's doing on reality TV, acting as herself but not being herself, is harder than playing something totally far from you. Yeah, there are good actors. There are bad actors. Acting is a talent in a way, but like... At the end of the day, if you're a bad actor, you can still just be a super attractive and charismatic person. You're going to get cast in a million movies. Like, it's just sort of like, and that's not to put down what actors do. Zac Efron. I know. I think he, I love him. I think he's really good. Is, I don't really know. I don't really know, actually. Yeah, that's a bad example. But yeah. It's just to say actors look down on reality stars so much. And it's like, you know, the only difference is you read lines from a script and they don't. Like she was so ahead of her time because actually she's doing what now everybody's doing. What is Hunky Dory? She was acting on a reality show, which is genius. I know. It's so funny. And actually, I was shocked when a huge part of part three was also about, or maybe it was still part two, but Repo Man the Opera. She was in a, she was in a experimental musical. I mean, she, this bitch does it all. And she takes big risks. I know. Yeah, I like that. So then she's talking about selfies and why she started taking selfies so much. And um, it's because she realized that so many people were profiting off of her image, but she wasn't. Like, you know, when you're in a public place and someone takes a picture of you, they own that image. So she says, what I did as an influencer was strap a jetpack on the idea that I, the person in the photograph, deserve to benefit from that image more than people who create and sell images of me without my consent. So that's cool. I mean, yeah, very cool. Love it. Again, we also need photographers. We also need paparazzi. Could have never taken a picture of the bimbo summit herself. So we, yeah, we, we love a little of this. We love a little of that. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. She says the rise of selfie culture isn't about vanity. It's about women taking back control of our images and our self images. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's great. I love it. She's right. Yep. Chapter 17. She, we have a little, I highlighted again, I was born to privilege. I'm not minimizing that, but I could have coasted and I never did. I worked. Yes, you did. You worked. I just love how dedicated rich people are to insisting that they work. It's really funny. Elliot Mintz, when she starts working with him, he says, what is your plan, your wish, your ambition? I ask this of all my clients. What do you want to achieve? I didn't lie. I said, I want to be famous. I want people to know who I am, to be aware of me. And I want them to like me so I can sell them things. And I love that. I love that. Gotta start answering questions like that when I go to these generals. I'm like, I really want to help people discover themselves and heal the world through comedy because it's a guard down healing modality. They're like, what? Can you just do a five on late night? <laughs> Jump the fuck up. Like, yeah, I just want to be famous and rich and everyone like me is actually the answer. So yeah, I think that's the best answer. That. And I think a lot of people, yeah, I think that's the, answer. the people that hold the money, they want to hear that answer because can we make money off of this? Is she going to work to make money off of this? Mm -hmm. She doesn't believe in overexposure, but Elliot says there are parameters. There's a turnaround factor. You have to be aware when it becomes obnoxious. I shrugged, agree to disagree for the moment. I mean, I think she did get overexposed for a little bit, but again, she was playing the villain role, so it was fine. She doesn't seem to really notice that or or like she I think she realized it. She was gone for a while. She was off the radar really for a while. And now that she's back, she's trying to show a full three dimensional portrait of herself. But she definitely I think she was overexposed and she was seen as a villain and she did realize it and she went back and regrouped. You know, yes, I also think he's coming at it from a 20th century point of view, which is you're only as good as your next deal, your next movie, your next album, your next collaboration. Like there is no fame for fame's sake yet in Elliot Mintz's world. So like she is she's on a new thing that he's not really privy to yet. Well, and actually, I yet yeah, I got. I was on a tangent, but what I was actually getting to was actually that, which is that because she's been so overexposed, whatever, she actually is making it work for her. 
because she's had to. So now it's like, what do you, why stop me now? Yeah, exactly. He also said, don't lie. Learn from Clinton and Nixon. You're better off if you just cop to it and move on. Great advice. Also great advice. You just can't ever lie. It's too hard to keep a lie going. You just have to tell the truth. Uh, her mom wouldn't let her become a Playboy playmate. She said, no, Paris wanted to do it. Also, fun fact, Hef had asked my mom to be a playmate when she was a teenager and Graham Cracker shut it down for the same reason. Graham Cracker knew that like Playboy fame is so fleeting and it's going to actually prevent you from getting the rich husband because there's actually a, a line, you know, that they won't that they won't cross. So then this is what a scumbag Hugh Hefner was. So one morning a friend called me and said, I love your Playboy cover. I was like, what? Hef had, quote, honored me with Sex Star of the Year Award, which means they can claim it's news and not a pictorial. He got a picture from an old test shoot with a woman photographer. It's kind of an old school pinup girl vibe. Red bustier, heels, blackfish, has very little actual skin. My parents are pissed and I cried, but none of us confronted him because you just didn't do that. Now, he did the same thing to Marilyn Monroe. So at least Paris can put that as a notch on her belt because Marilyn Monroe famously people who like Hef and who like Playboy will say that she was the first Playboy cover star. It was not consensual. He's just bought some old naked photos of her that had almost ruined her career and republished them. And then when she died, she was cremated and put in a like crypt or whatever in LA. And he bought the spot on top of her so that in the afterlife, he would be on top of Marilyn Monroe forever. Disgusting. He literally like bought real estate in hell. Like, he's like, I'll just rape you there. Yeah, he's he's disgusting. He is dis- Ugh, whatever. So she gets into the era when she kind of was like picking fights with people and having these really public fights, calling Lindsay Lohan fire crotch, saying uh, Kim Kardashian's butt was like cottage cheese in a hefty bag. She says I, she doesn't say that she did those things, but she alludes to it. I screwed up sometimes. I said some things I wouldn't say now. I hurt people's feelings. And I'm sorry, I drank a lot and had some unfortunate moments. Some I can laugh about, others not so much. I'm not going to wallow in any of that here. I'm not offering explanations or asking anyone to explain themselves to me. So no walk of shame here. Sorry, not sorry. The only people who don't screw up are people who never do anything. Ah, it's sorry, not sorry means that you're not sorry. Um, What I want to say is I apologize in listening back and editing our last episode. I need to apologize. I, you know, did not hear what I didn't want to hear because right I too was swayed by the culture at the time and just thought fire crotch was funny but you're actually right that nobody would have ever used that as an insult until Lindsay Lohan was called a fire crotch by Brandon Davis that would never have been like you're right that became a thing and yeah for like it's almost like inventing a slur well people did say it before that or like popularizing yeah he he definitely brought it brought it to the forefront i was really with her on this whole uh, apology until no walk of shame here sorry not sorry the only people who don't screw up are people who never do anything like yeah it's true the only people like everyone screws up everyone does but sorry not sorry is like then you're not Sorry. You actually don't have to have shame. And the way to do that is by being sorry. Yeah. And being like, like, it was so good up until that part. But you it's okay to be sorry and say that you fucked up and you regret acting like a dick. It really is. Oh, and the other thing too, that it made me think, and I want to retract what I said many moon mules ago about when we we're talking about the Aspen incident, actually, because I'm, I am naive. I'm like, there's no way that they were even seeing enough black people to even know what the N word is. And it's like, oh no, like they actually do talk like that. And my parents, and, and Kathy probably did say it in Aspen. And I want to retract and take back what I originally uh, pontificated. I actually now think 
yeah, these people really need to check themselves. They are deeply offending a lot of people. Yeah, I think they've got a the big Kathy mean streak runs in all of these people. Yeah. At the same time, I think I can understand why she's so adamant that she shouldn't feel shame because so much of her public persona was based around us propping her up so that we could shame her. So I do get where she's coming from with that. But like, yeah, you got to still be sorry. So then I mean, she also well, real quick, she didn't go to high school. She went to shame school. So I understand also that the new rebellion would be, I'm not going to let you stand in a circle. When they were talking yeah. about this, the, the, um, I was like the EDU schools. That's obviously not what it is. The CDU yeah. schools. It's like they would, that was like part of, they would like stand in a circle and everyone would shout the meanest things they could say at each other. So it's like, I get where she's like, I'm not letting you hurt my feelings again. Yeah. I get that. I get it. It's just, it's not the mature approach. Just say sorry. But then South Park does an episode about her called Stupid Spoiled Whore Video Playset. Yes. And someone asked her about it and she says, I didn't see it. And imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And she decided to not give it oxygen. And then when a journalist told Matt about my muted red carpet response, Matt Stone from South Park, he said, that shows how fucked up she is. It's like, okay, yeah. Okay, Nelson Mandela. Like, thanks for being the arbiter of who's fucked up. Matt, you spend your life watching other people taking their most vulnerable moments and turning it into vile little boy comedy like he's actually a predator you know like and i love comedy and there's a place for it but it's like yeah they're mean what, what you're mean matt they're mean and doing it through the persona of an eight-year-old boy that shows how fucked up you are like to be like oh all these other people are fucked up it's like no you're very fucked up as well right like matt and trey when we see your version of garden state at can next year and we're all watching your vulnerable entry into this new form of writing about yourself we can talk about uh, what a great vulnerable person you are, but otherwise you're a bully. So it's funny, but you're a bully. Yeah, they are. Them and like Howard Stern. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. She says sexualized bashing of young women is worse than politically incorrect. It's dangerous and it's boring. It's a failure of imagination. I keep wondering why they fell back on it, stretching for any remaining shock value. There's another South Park episode in which Cartman is granted one wish by school faculty and his wish is to have Selena Gomez beaten while he watches. Yeah, like that's not social commentary. That's just immature woman hating wish fulfillment oh now we get into donald trump she said she was put on the spot in an interview i pretended i voted for donald trump because he was an old family friend and owned the first modeling agency i signed with and when i left to go to another agency he was furious and intimidated the shit out of me on the phone the truth is even worse i didn't vote at all do you think the truth is even worse what do you think is worse <laughs> voting for donald trump or not voting at all i'd rather you not vote 100 percent. yeah i agree if you're gonna vote for donald trump i would rather you not vote Thank you for not voting. <laughs> yeah, like, it's it's worse that you lied. To- right. Well, that's also where, right, like, sh- right. She's still adjusting from those days of, of you know, um, teen Holocaust camp or whatever. It's like teen Holocaust Academy. Like, she is out of touch. And for some reasons, it's in a goop way because she just is a, this fabulous billionaire. But at the same time, it's like she doesn't really totally have a touch on what's normal normal like in her circle right she thought it was like he's a family friend so i'll just say this she had no idea what she was fucking saying yeah exactly and it's actually worse that you literally lied to make yourself look better and thought that voting for donald trump is what would make you look totally yes wow she endorsed him like she endorses anybody's products that she just wants to support small business owners sliving exactly i don't think this is a provo c do thing i think this is a rich person thing i think this is just 
literally they named two people she had never heard of the alternate so she said trump <laughs> like, I think she... yes and full permission if you vote republican not to vote <laughs> yeah exactly yeah please don't vote because we don't want to have school shootings anymore please stay home and you know politics doesn't have to be everybody's thing it doesn't have to be everybody's thing but you have to at least know that like one person is an actual wannabe dictator and the other one is just your average garden variety fucked up politician, you know, like um, she does mention some of her boyfriends. She This is the only line she really gives to them. Like we said, she doesn't really talk about them. During that time, boyfriends came and went, a Backstreet Boy, a couple of Greek heirs, a lot of hungry tigers, and what Demi Lovato calls clout chasers. So that's the only mention that like six of her fiancés get, which is hilarious. I'm a little bit hurt for Demi, who comes up a number of times for Taco Bell Buddy, inspired by Demi. Why wasn't she on that list of like real friends? Like Demi's your real friend, girl. I guess maybe because she was too young. Oh yeah, Demi was just too young at that time. Right, okay. Yeah, that was just that time period yeah so uh i need to watch this just as an aside let's not get into a whole tangent about this because we're running out of time i need to see the movie that camille paglia narrated about her let's watch that yeah and then the next thing i have highlighted i guess someone was trying to scam her and she has elliot mince arranged to meet with the guy he seemed exhausted by his creepy life's work and genuinely interested in finding some form of redemption but before the meeting could take place the scandal monger hanged himself in the shower karma's a bitch might have been one i would leave out actually i might have left that one out that was a crazy just leave out karma's a bitch like don't dance on the grave of But it's like, yeah, okay, I guess we want the whole story. And this is Paris and Paris' voice. And yes, she actually is obnoxious. And that's okay. Yeah, that's what I think. Sorry, bitch. Enjoy your afterlife. Yeah, like, that is a wild thing to say. He hanged himself in the shower. Karma's a bitch. That is, ooh. Glad you died. Yikes. Now we're in the last chapter of part three. So the rest of this will be on the Patreon after we finish this chapter. But she says that she and Kim Kardashian balanced each other out. I was a disorganized night owl. Kim was an efficient early riser. They really are opposites. It's really cute. They're a good team. And then we get into her DUI. Now, this also, I could not wait to talk about with you. She's on a set working for about 16 hours, and I never had a chance to eat anything. But when we wrapped at the end of a long day, this is another thing that extremely thin people are always saying they never got a chance to eat. I'm like, really? How? I always get a chance to eat. Yeah. No, I literally, I was like so edible stone the other night, and I had no food. I couldn't go upstairs with all the dogs. And I opened a dry pack of instant oatmeal and basically just poured it all over my face and into my mouth and then I had to wash my sheets immediately the next morning I I, I poured oats all over myself <laughs> you made a chance to eat. I find the time okay. out of thin air <laughs> out of fat air so anyway she allegedly didn't have she allegedly didn't have a chance to eat anything when we wrapped at the end of the long day I joined the crew in a toast with a margarita I felt fine but on my way home I got stopped for speeding and blew a 0.08 on the breathalyzer the absolute minimum required for a DUI in California. I pulled up into In-N-Out drive through waiting for a burger and fries, which probably would have solved it. And then I guess they, I don't understand whether she pulled up before or after. I call bullshit on it was just one drink. I know. I know. I was just, she was wrong. I know. It's like, this is where it really does set off a chain of events of like, poor me. I didn't read the fine print. That's a little bit like you kind of are just like, come on, like you're rich as fuck. You don't need to drive after you've had any drinks you can get a driver so she goes to court and gets three years probation a fifteen hundred hundred dollar fine she's lucky it was only fifteen hundred usually with the dui it's like 30 grand or something isn't it a four-month suspension of my license and court-ordered alcohol education classes fair enough i accepted that 
even if they were stretching to charge me with a DUI. For someone who didn't go to high school and college, it might actually be helpful. I know to get alcohol education. Yeah. Yeah. But, and then she says they were stretching to charge her with a DUI. It's like you were over the limit. If you got pulled over, they thought you were drunk and then you blew over the legal limit. That's the, that's the the law that you broke. Yeah. So, okay. And, and then you could almost be like, okay, yeah, you know, 0.08, who cares? But then she gets caught again, not drunk driving, but she says that her lawyer told her that the suspension lifted this day. She was driving to work and got stopped for speeding and didn't have her lights on the day that she was able to start driving again. Is that insane to speed on the day that you get your license back? Yes. And then it turns out the lawyer didn't have the drive for work waiver he thought he had. So that was how she and the judge hated her and decided to throw the book at her, which is because she's famous, but she got sentenced to 45 days in jail. So I feel bad for her that that happened. But you're speeding on the day you got your license back and you actually don't even have your license back. Like, well, it's just such like gross denial of I feel like aside from just being like a rich person, I also just think that she still is coming out of her days where she was like so trapped that I get where. I just sort of get the part of her that like is is like, and I'm still going to fucking push the system. I'm still a rebel. Like you guys couldn't like curtail the real me, which is a wild child. Yeah. I don't know. I could see her acting out in a way to be like, this is just me because they tried so hard to make her someone that followed the rules. And it's like, no, but like when it comes to driving and the law, it's like if other people are involved. It's a yeah. really silly thing to get got on after all you've been through. I know. So then she's going to jail and people are rejoicing because, again, she is the heel at this point in pop culture. She's the villain. Yeah. And people are so happy that this rich, beautiful, spoiled debutante is going to jail. Right. Sarah Silverman, she now goes into at the award show where she did a little thing. She says, you know, said Sarah, she said herself on the podcast that would never happen today. And she's oh, she doesn't even repeat the joke Sarah made. Actually, she just says Paris Hilton's going to jail and everyone cheers. And then that's it. So then. Later on, Paris is quoting her. Sarah says, I would never do those jokes today. I've actually dedicated the past several years trying to do comedy that attempts to marry hard-hitting jokes with actual heart. Back then, the consensus seemed to be that was not possible, and I fully accepted that. I came up in a time when talk show hosts and comedians were hired to make fun of pop culture. We were roasting the biggest celebrities and pop culture icons at the time, and nobody was bigger than Paris Hilton. So here we are in an awakened world, and I'm totally into it. It's how we grow. It's how we change. I'm super down with reflecting on the past and my part in perpetuating real ugly shit. And yes, we can continue to litigate the past, but I do believe that maybe that should be coupled with taking into account any growth that has come with those passing years. Comedy is not evergreen. We can't change the past, so what's crucial is that we change with the times. So what did you think of Sarah saying that? I mean, spoken like a real person who has a blackface sketch floating around on the internet you know <laughs> i love that i want to copy paste it and save it for any time i accidentally offend someone it's just like yeah comedy it changes and she was sorry i know i just don't even think i think she's being too hard on herself and it's because she's sort of talking about other worse things she did that without talking about it that's my point yes she unlike paris is sorry how nice yeah i just don't think her paris stuff i mean in my opinion even today a rich powerful person getting a dui is fair game That's punching up. Totally. And I get why Paris is insulted by it. I mean, who wouldn't be? But I do think it's important to make fun of rich, powerful people in pop culture. I do. Sorry. Even if it's a low blow, I think it's important to do that. And it makes everyone feel better. People are fucking struggling out there. If we can't laugh at the multimillionaire heiress going to jail, like, I'm sorry. I know that that sucks. And I know that the judge was unfair to her. But like... I mean, we there's got to be a little bit of a release valve somewhere for for the little people out there, you know? Molly, I've been waiting 
all week to, to simply send you this. I think it's really important to punch up. <laughs> is that the husband, Carter? That sexy guy that she described. It's like, this is just someone who you can just tell is actually trying to figure out when the cool times to blink are. Like, this is just a nerdy dude. The cool times to blink. Oh my God, that's so funny. He's holding his eyes open. We've all got different tastes. Paris is a sapiosexual. We've established. He's got a giant head, so I think it makes sense. Okay, we're on the home stretch. Now, this is really sad. She goes into jail. It's so sad. She has PTSD from Provo. And they made her stay alone 23 hours a day. And for one hour, I was taken to the shower and allowed to use the payphone. I could speak to my parents through a plexiglass window once a week. That's horrible. I mean, it really is so bad. But if we take it out of the like compassionate, empathetic human experience conversation, actually just bring it into the astrological one. (laughs) What's interesting is that karma, it's not a bitch but it returns. And it's interesting that her whole childhood was being put in solitary confinement, which tortured her Aquarius Leo self more than anything in the world. That was the thing that she hated. She didn't mind being abused by the people after she got used to the hug time. She plowed through it. She hated solitary confinement. And then when she went to prison, uh, she was let out for good behavior. Then some judge was like, actually put her back in. But now she's a danger to herself because the general population is going to chew her up and spit her out. So we have to put her in solitary. This is what happens when you don't give things oxygen that actually need healing. You literally repeat them. That's karma. And yeah, Paris, it's a bitch. Now you have to talk about this experience because you just created it again in trying not to give it oxygen. Oh my God, that's so true. I feel so bad for her that she had to learn this. It's so sad. She had really like learned this in such a hard way. And it is crazy, like because of who she is, what she looks like, how much money she was born with. I mean, don't want to break out the tiny violin too much, but like she was always going to have everyone against her. Yeah. And so many people do try to take her down constantly. Yeah. I feel like I would have hidden my head in the sand. I would have never come out again after the sex tape or after like it would have taken me a while to get over that. So like, I mean, I do give her so much credit. I will say again, join the Patreon because in the next episode, I will tell you about how this all relates to Paris development and her Saturn return. Put a pin in it. But astrology speaks. Karma is a bitch and we're all bitches out here showing up, dipping out, coming through. So we have to relate to our karma differently, not just hope it hangs itself in in a bathroom. Wow. Okay. Let's repeat that. We have to relate to our karma differently, not just hope it hangs itself in the bathroom. If something keeps happening over and over again in your life, you have to just be like, okay, how am I amending my behavior to make this not keep happening? Ask yourself, like, how am I being about this? What am I making it mean? Shift your perspective. The pattern keeps coming back so you can get the lesson. It's what the the tarot card I pulled for us right before we started recording. That was what the Proust quote was. It was like, keep learning your lessons so that you don't repeat them. Every time something bad happens, it's so that you can actually get the lesson and move on from the karma into your dharma. And yet and still, this was right before her Saturn return and she had to actually get the lesson that she's going to have to actually share. Everyone has already always known her business like she has tried so hard to hide everything but it's like right like she's trying to hide the spoiled rich girl thing behind I work hard and it's like Paris you can't you're still a spoiled rich girl like yes you are working you're working but like you're not doing you're not a single mom with three jobs like stop it stop with the work thing like yes it's really great and admirable but if guess what if you didn't work you would just be a regular millionaire and now because you did work you're a hundred millionaire so okay also like yes you work and you work hard but like 
look, if, if you gave me all the money in the world, you know what I would probably do for fun? I'd probably go to festivals and DJ and I would probably like actually like just put all of our merch into practice because for creatives work especially when you're getting paid for but for creatives work is in I've designed every moment of my life so that I never have to work or hate working work is why we're humans on earth Saturn work why are we here to do work that's what I'm not just a Capricorning here every moment of my life if I'm not getting I work every moment every day whether my bank account reflects it or not because I'm here to do my work and we all are so yeah relax everybody rich we everyone's working and even if we weren't working at the starbucks we might be working in just the same way that you are actually so chill out yeah exactly join the patreon patreon.com slash space trash podcast donate to the manual definitely so the final the final thought is she's talking about the character she invented which ironically is an amplification of all she's trying to hide even her saying I hate, she, she wants us to know she hates being embarrassed more than anything. And it's like, how about the karma is get over being embarrassed about anything. This is what it is. But you constructed a character that is embarrassing. Right. And like everyone responded to it. That's where it's also a Kathy on Kathy on Paris thing, which is like the generational teaching of, or, or the, the hopes that you can control, which you really can't. Yeah. So she says people loved her. Or they love to hate her, which was just as marketable. So she does get it. Right. I leaned into that character, my ticket to financial freedom and a safe place to hide. So, you know, I think that's all true. And she's right. And but at the same time, like there's a little bit of a with with a lot of celebrities who come out with all of these like memoirs and documentaries in their third, fourth, fifth decade of fame saying, you don't understand. I was misunderstood. This is the real me. And uh, I'm so like, and they're, they're always like kind of resentful that like the public doesn't know the real them. And it's like, okay, well, the public responds to stories and characters and a three-dimensional person isn't really going to come across until you already have built enough equity through fame that people give enough of yes, the shit yes, yes. to learn who you are as a three-dimensional person. Right. So like you're going to get famous as a two-dimensional character and as a, an archetype and as the ditzy bimbo heiress. Like that is, and, and she leaned into that. Like she leaned into that character. She found it comforting to hide behind that character. So while I do enjoy hearing things from her perspective and having her be a little bit more honest about who she is as a person it's also a little bit of like having your cake and eating it too where it's like okay you rode that all the way to the bank and now you're going to tell us that we worshipped you the wrong way you know what's occurring to me I actually think that when she's saying you know I hate being embarrassed more than anything I don't actually think it's embarrassed to the public or about what the public thinks I think it's embarrassed to herself like so like like, so she was not embarrassed to play a dumb idiot, even though that's who everyone thought she was, because Paris in her own mind, body, soul was like, I'm doing a bit and I'm succeeding if they all think I'm an idiot. She's controlling the embarrassment. Right. She's controlling the embarrassment. She feels like she's driving the car. I think what really upsets her, probably starting from the days, but really kind of before that past life shit, but like starting from the day that one day she was asleep and then some robbers came into her house and it turns out her parents sent them. She actually has been embarrassed since then because ha- like all of that is embarrassed. Like I would be embarrassed to myself about myself it, just in relationship to my family if that had happened to me. I, would, I wouldn't even want to admit in the same way she didn't want to admit that the, the predator eighth grade teacher was actually a pedo, you know, ass- assailant. It's like, I under, like, and it's what you're saying even too about her relationship with her parents and kind of walking that fine line between like 
do I blame them or do I understand? Or, you know, because it's like, it's really think about a life where your greatest trauma beyond what normal rich people have to go through was one that your parents signed you up for and kept you imprisoned in, even when you were being honest, is embarrassing on every level and too much. Yeah. And so much of it had to, so much of not even just that trauma, but others like her being sexually assaulted when she was really young. And then with the sex tape, so much of it involves nudity. Like so much of it is people like forcing her to be naked in front of them or like, and even if not naked, just like sexually available, like the teacher that takes advantage of her, like she's just, and that's so embarrassing. Like just to feel naked all the time. Especially when you know that she has a Venus in Aquarius and a Mars in Pisces. She actually doesn't want to be naked at all. She wants to be pen pals. (laughs) Be pen pals. And write music about you. Yeah. Oh, Oh, it's terrible. I feel so bad. Like, oh God, she really does have so much stuff. It's really a lot. So uh, we're going to continue to talk about that shit on the Patreon later this week. So the pink line, I said it was Lou Reed rejected her in Hollywood. It was L.A. Reed. L.A. Reed. L.A. told me you'd be a pop star. Oh, you have changed everything you are. So it was L.A. Reed. That was a correction. Lou Reed had no problem with her. If you, if you know, I don't even know if he knows who she is. Well, but I think Lou Reed would have got a kick out of her like in an Andy Warhol way. <laughs> and how funny that L.A. Reed, he is like, like the L.A. version of Lou Reed is not a genius genre creating singer, songwriter, punk musician, but a horrific Pygmalion type figure who's trying to mold people into just money makers. It is the LA read. Like that's how you become an icon in LA versus New York. Also, I think it's kind of interesting on the, we were talking about um, Chili and her relationships. Cause I like, we do like the Chili's with Matthew Lawrence. Now I couldn't believe that I saw LA read was one of her ex-boyfriends, Chili and LA read, huh? But then I'm like, oh yeah, he probably fucking coerced her into it. Like well, Harvey Weinstein would have different industry. I can't get into this. I can't get into this Chili's love life tip that you're on right now i'm just shocked that she's with matthew lawrence i just would never have guessed they're both kind of like a little bit you know 90s early 2000s people i mean that's they've got a lot in common first it was avril lavigne and tyga now this yeah avril and tyga they're both kardashian adjacent deeply uncool people (laughs) so actually i'm really glad everyone's finding love no matter what there is someone for everyone if you want to hear the rest of this book Mm -hmm. part four and a deep dive of Paris's chart. Also, I have looked up all of these relationships to see if there's anything interesting. And boy, was there a lot. You are going to need to join the Patreon, patreon.com slash Space Trash Podcast. And that will be coming later this week. Space Trash. Trash in space. Space Trash. Lifestyles. The rich and Uranus. Space Trash. Celebrities, they're trash. But the astrology can help us understand Transmission incoming. (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.